Welcome back <clears throat> to the Hemingway List podcast for Book 14, Chapter 2. Did Tolstoy's musing on the size of a group versus its effectiveness strike a chord with you as a 2020 reader? You can tell I've recycled the discussion prompts from last year. Um, but still, still appropriate. Brett Peterson says, I actually enjoyed this chapter. I was a military science minor in college and we talk about the force multipliers generally in terms of equipment, as he mentioned, meaning if I have a smaller force, but I have an artillery battery or something like that, I can attack a larger force of foot soldiers. We never discussed the spirit of the force as a force multiplier, but I can definitely see how it would work as one. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> There's lots of studies about things like that, like um, people playing sports and stuff like that, and when they're on the back foot and they're dejected, they lose power, and then once they start coming back, they gain power, that momentum. It all comes down to, um, yeah, I guess spirit is a good word for it. Confidence, maybe. FDLP1 says, I couldn't help smiling in seeing algebra as yet another symbolic device to explain the combat. Are we headed towards calculus in the epilogues? Yeah, and then at the end you sit your GEP or whatever it's called, um, and is that what it's called? GEP? G. Oh. You know when you try to make a joke but you can't remember the specific word that you need for the joke to work? That's what just happened to me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's just move on with our lives and read chapter... What are we up to? What book are we on? Book 14, chapter 3. goes like this the so-called partisan sorry the so-called partisan war began with the entry of the french into smolensk before partisan warfare had been officially recognized by the government thousands of enemy stragglers marauders and foragers had been destroyed by the cossacks and the peasants who killed them off as instinctively as dogs worry a stray mad dog to death denis davidov with his russian instinct was the first to recognize the value of this terrible cudgel, which, regardless of the rules of military science, destroyed the French, and to him belongs the credit for taking the first step towards regularizing this method of warfare. On August 24th, Davidov's first partisan detachment was formed, and then others were recognized. The further the campaign progressed, the more numerous these detachments became. The irregulars destroyed the great army piecemeal, they gathered the fallen leaves that dropped off themselves from that withered tree, the French army, and sometimes shook that tree itself. By October, when the French were fleeing towards Smolensk, there were hundreds of such companies of various sizes and characters. There were some that adopted all the army methods and had infantry, artillery, staffs, and the comforts of life. Others consisted solely of Cossack cavalry. There were also small scratch groups of foot and horse and groups of peasants and landowners that remained unknown. The sacristan commanded one party which captured several hundred prisoners in the course of a month, and there was Vasilia, the wife of a village elder, who slew hundreds of the French. The partisan warfare flamed up most fiercely in the latter days of October. Its first period had passed, when the partisans themselves Selves, amazed at their own boldness, feared every minute to be surrounded and captured by the French, and hid in the forests without unsettling 
hardly daring to dismount and always expecting to be pursued. One second. Um, by the end of October, this kind of warfare had taken definite shape. It had become clear to all what could be ventured against the French and what could not. Now only the commanders of detachments with staffs and moving according to rules at a distance from the French still regarded many things as impossible. The small bands that had started their activities long before and had already observed the French closely considered things possible which the commanders of the big detachments did not dare to contemplate. The Cossacks and peasants who crept in among the French now considered everything possible. On October 22nd, Denisov, who was one of the irregulars, was with his group at the height of the guerrilla enthusiasm. Since early morning, he and his party had been on the move. All day long, he had been watching from the forest that skirted the high road a large French convoy of cavalry baggage and Russian prisoners, separated from the rest of the army, which, as was learned from spies and prisoners, was moving under a strong escort to Smolensk. Besides Denisov and Dolokhov, who also led a small party and moved in Denisov's vicinity, the commanders of some large divisions with staffs also knew of this convoy and, as Denisov expressed it, were sharpening their teeth for it. Two of the commanders of large parties, one a Pole and the other a German, sent invitations to Denisov almost simultaneously requesting him to join up with their divisions to attack the convoy. No bother. I have grown moustaches myself, said Denisov on reading these documents, and he wrote to the German that despite his heartfelt desire to serve us under so valiant and renowned a general, he had to forego that pleasure because he was already under the command of the Polish general. To the Polish general he replied to the same effect, informing him that he was already under the command of the German. Thus, oh sorry, doesn't even say thus, where did I get that from? <clears throat> oh, it does say thus. Having arranged matters thus, Denisov and Dolokhov intended, without reporting matters to the higher command, to attack and seize that convoy with their own small forces. On October 22nd, it was moving from the village of Michalino to that of Shamshevo. To the left of the road between Michalino and Shamshevo, there were large forests extending in some places up to the road itself, though in others a mile or more back from it. Through these forests, Denisov and his party rode all day, sometimes keeping well back in them and sometimes coming to the very edge, but never losing sight of the moving French. That morning, Cossacks and Denisov's party had seized and carried off into the forest two wagons loaded with cavalry saddles, which had struck which had stuck in the mud not far from Mukalino, where the forest ran close to the road. Since then, and until evening, the party had watched the movements of the French without attacking. It was necessary to let the French reach Shamshevo quietly without alarming them, and then, after joining Dolokhov, who was to come that evening to a consultation at a watchman's hut in the forest less than a mile from Shamshevo, to surprise the French at dawn, falling like an avalanche on their heads from two sides and rout and capture them all at one blow. In their rear, more than a mile from Mikulino, where the forest came right up to the road, six Cossacks were posted to report if any fresh columns of French 
should show themselves. Beyond Shamshevo, Dolokhov was to observe the road in the same way to find out what distance there were other French... to find out at what distance there were other French troops. They reckoned that the convoy had 1,500 men, Denisov had 200, and Dolokhov might have has might have as many more, but the disparity of numbers did not deter Denisov. All that he knew, sorry, all that he now wanted to know was what troops these were, and to learn that he had to capture a tongue, that is, a man from the enemy column. That morning's attack on the wagons had been made so hastily that the Frenchmen with the wagons had all been killed, only a little drummer boy had been taken alive, and as he was a straggler, he could tell them nothing definite about the troops in that column. Denisov considered it dangerous to make a second attack for fear of putting the whole column on the alert. So he sent Tikhon Shabati, a peasant of his party, to Shamshevo to try and seize at least one of the French quartermasters who had been sent on in advance. Alright, there we go, another chapter for you. They are... Uh, very easy targets, very vulnerable targets while they're retreating. It's like giving them a kick up the pants. Um, Alright, thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.